the best ever. There's never been anybody to I'm Sonny Liston, I'm Jack Dempsey, there's no one like me. I'm from their club. Glass Joe, Vaughn Kaiser, Piston Hondo, Don Flamengo, King Hippo, Great Tiger, Ball Bull, Mr. Sandman, Soda Popinski, Super Macho Man, Mr. Dream, fuck that guy, paid the man with crazy eyes, everyone has a plan until they get punched in the mouth, Mike Tyson. Welcome to the Bucket Drop Podcast, everybody. Episode 35. And today I have a great guest. His name is Alec Olin Salen. Uh, he is the host of the Five for Fighting podcast, which is doing extremely well. Um, he's had great guests on there, big names uh, such as uh, Chris Knuckles Nylon and uh, other NHL players as well. Today, what I'll be doing with Alec is a top 10 list. Um, He's going to give me his top 10 enforcers for the Tampa Bay Lightning of all time. So uh, I'm excited about this. Um, I'd like to do every team in the NHL eventually. Uh, I've been uh, inspired by uh, actually one of the episodes from Darren, uh, Fourth Line Voice. Check that podcast out if you you haven't checked it out. He's... uh, He's been in the game for a long time, and he does a terrific job with his guests. Uh, He had an episode, Top 25 Enforcers of All Time in the NHL, uh, with a guy uh, from Twitter when Probert was king. And I actually uh, got in a little argument with uh, Probert was king (laughs) on Twitter, but all in good fun. Obviously, uh, with these Top 10 lists, uh, shining the light on... uh, the enforcers that played on different teams, and that's why I started the podcast. Obviously, uh, shining the light on the enforcer role, that's why I started the podcast. And uh, also, you know, shining the lights on some of the guys that did it in the minor leagues because uh, they don't often get the uh, recognition. Before we get into that with uh, with Alec, because like I said, his uh, podcast is doing extremely well, and so is uh, um, Fourth Line Voice right now. Uh, they, uh, they were off for a little bit, and uh, he's come back, and uh, he's releasing episodes every uh, Wednesday and every Sunday. As for me, um, yeah, I'm finding it a little bit hard to uh, to do some podcasts right now. I've got a baby girl, obviously, and uh, she's beautiful. I was telling Darren, I don't know how, uh, how I created that thing. Obviously, thanks for mommy. But uh, yeah, I'll try to release an episode every Wednesday, as I said on Twitter, but it'll probably go to every two weeks. Pretty excited today because I... Uh, that's another thing. Eh? It's summer, so it's uh, beautiful weather. You know, the beers are uh, the beers are flowing, and uh, a little tough uh, to get in the mood to do the podcast. Uh, just not not because of everything that's going on in the world, that too. But I mean, uh, you know, just uh, beautiful weather. You know, I want to go boating, I want to go uh, golfing and stuff. So, but I I definitely want to keep going with this thing. I'm just saying that it might be every two weeks, and uh, if you don't uh, get an episode, just. Uh, get into the vault as uh, Darren would say and maybe you can go check out uh, well actually one of their episodes or you can go check out some of my old interviews with uh, the players uh, they might have better interviews with the guys but I mean uh, I got guys like John Morassi that came on uh, Dean Mayran so uh, go check those out if I don't have an episode out that week but uh, yeah excited today because I'm going to pick up my new boat uh, I'm driving about a hour away uh, to go pick that up and uh, yeah usually I do my introductions on um, my microphone uh, connected to my laptop but today uh, 
like I said, hard to find the time. So I'm recording this directly into my iPhone 7. So hopefully the quality is half decent, but I can promise you that the uh, quality for the actual interview with Alec should be better. But you know, enough about me guys. Um, let's get into that interview with Alec Olin Salen. I think you're going to like this one. So today my guest is the host of the rapidly growing Enforcer podcast, Five for Fighting. He's had big names on his show, including Chris Knuckles Nyland, Rob Ray, and Stanley Cup winner Andre Roy. He also shines a light on the guys who busted their hump in the minor leagues, currently ranked in the top 100 hockey podcasts in Canada. Welcome to the podcast, Alec Olin Salen. Thanks a lot for joining us. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Nice pronunciation of the last name. You actually got it right there. <laughs> Yeah, well, you know what's funny? Eh? I uh, wouldn't have known how to say it, but I listened to your uh, your interview on the TSN six ninety because that's not too far away from where I live. So, oh right, yeah, it's funny. I had to put it out in syllables for uh, for Chris to read. He's like, "How the hell do you say that last name?" <laughs> yeah, uh, a lot of stuff going on in, in the world. I'm sure uh, everybody's touched on it already. But uh, h- uh, how's the weather in Tampa? Uh, honestly, right now, man, it is awful. It is just completely rainy. It rained all day. Um, I was worried because every once in a while our power will go out, and if I, if my power is out, I'm gonna be pissed. And it's sometimes every once in a while a little one to uh, it'll ruin a podcast when I'm trying to sit there and hit record, or uh, you know everything goes down. But uh, for the most part, uh, when it's not raining and thunderstorming, it's hot as all can be. But it's good beach weather. My rents have a place not too far away, so uh, very beautiful spot in Tampa. And can you can you just tell me uh, where you started, when you started doing your podcast exactly? Uh, man, it's it's been almost a year now because I remember I, I got everything hooked up right after uh, right after my birthday because I wanted a new laptop because I was like what I want to do for I was like podcasting. Um, I kind of made it a, uh, made up my mind, and I think the very first episode was like July twenty seventh. So we're almost coming up on the one year mark now. Right on, man. And can you tell me a bit about how you met Chris Nyland and that the the whole story of uh, how you stayed over at, at his place? Absolutely. Um, so basically, how it kind of we got in touch was I was uh, going to the I was going to boot camp. Um, I was shipping off for boot camp shortly. Uh, I was in the Marine Corps, and so. Uh, I had a, a, the girl I was dating at the time. She had sent a letter because I was really into the uh, the Last Gladiators documentary. I mean, I if I I've watched that thing probably every day after school for like a month and yeah. a half. Um, and so right, it was right after I uh, graduated high school, and she sent a letter out saying or sent like a, either a letter or an email. I can't quite remember. Um, reaching out because of course uh, you can go on Chris Nyland's website. It's called uh, the Nyland Brand. I think it's knucklesnyland.com, and he's got a bunch of apparel and stuff. But you can contact him through there. Um, and so she had sent him a letter or an email, and then he ended up sending me a personal letter back. And uh, I got it in the mail one day, and we kind of kept in touch. And he gave me a phone call and said, "You know, if I ever need anything, uh, let him know, and you know, keep my keep my chin up while I'm in boot camp, uh, stuff like that." And so then we ended up, uh, you know, kind of keeping in touch throughout the time. But being in the military, it's a little bit hard to go up and get. Um, you know, get get time off to say, hey, uh, staff sergeant, can I go up to uh, Canada for for a couple of days? Um, yeah. So it was a little hard. So once I got out of the military, um, he extended the offer to me. He said, you know, if you want to come up here and visit, just let me know. I'll, uh, you know, you're more than welcome to stay at my house. So I, I got out of the Marine Corps, and I think about a month and a half later, I jumped at that opportunity and uh, hopped up there on a uh, on a plane to Montreal. And I got there, took an Uber over to the. Um, the TSN studio. And that's where I met Chris for the first time was actually in the studio while he was doing his radio show. And, um, we, he t- showed me the city, took me all around. We went to the, uh, Montreal actually it was a, it was actually a pretty solid game for today's standards. As far as the physicality goes, I was quite surprised, uh, though the Habs lost, unfortunately. Um, 
but we went to a Boston uh, Montreal game up there. And I got to say, man, you know, going to the Bell Center, what an experience that is. Like, I, I don't know if any hockey atmosphere can compare to that. It is uh, quite the experience. And it was even just a regular season game. Yeah, yeah we did all that and showed me a bunch of restaurants and everything. It was just awesome. That's awesome. I was actually going to ask you if uh, if you got to, to watch a game there. Um, and I asked Darren uh, at the fourth line voice the same question. Uh, but did you, did you have any formal training in broadcasting uh, before you start your whole podcast? Not a fucking lick, and you can definitely tell when I <laughs> in the first few episodes that um it's probably a little bit rough on my part. I'm still very critical of myself, but um I think I've gotten a lot smoother with it over the as you know the episodes go on and time goes on and just kind of doing some. But no, I had zero experience broadcasting. All I know is that uh, when it comes to hockey and talking hockey, I can go for days. So uh, just throw I guess throw a microphone in front of me. I thought was a good idea, and it's uh you know it's been cool you know being able to talk to a bunch of players. But yeah, no zero zero <laughs> uh broadcasting experience at all and uh, i think you're selling yourself a, a a bit short obviously because uh i, I mean the, obviously the podcast is doing really well um like so you i saw something on facebook the other day but uh, where are you listed exactly right now on the hockey podcast for canada um well it varies right now i think in canada i'm at like 62 i think uh but it, it'll vary of course depending on your guests and everything like that okay. um I mean, my, my claim to fame and me and Jer- uh, Darren always joke about this. I was number one in Gr- in in Greece for hockey podcasts. So I don't know whatever I'm doing. Uh, apparently, the people in Greece like it. I don't know. Um, yeah, right on. That's good. <laughs> but yeah, so somewhere, so somewhere it varies. But like I said, but uh, I think right now I'm sitting at like 60 or something like that. The highest I got was 18. Right on. Well, congratulations on that. Uh, obviously, you're doing something right. So uh, actually, the way I first found out about your podcast is Spotify. Um, so, like, I was just listening to Spin Chicklets, and I was doing a search uh, for hockey fighting podcasts uh, because I always found the most entertaining guests were uh, the enforcers on the podcast. Actually, about a month or two after that, I started my own show, and I was amazed about how uh, how many podcasts are uh, revolved around the, the the fighting in hockey. So, uh, we just it, it just kind of goes to show you that there are many people that are not happy the way of the new game. So, I mean, like, what was the your main reason for starting the podcast? Well, I had started a, a Facebook group because, I, you know, there's a bunch of different groups out there, the hockey fights and brawls and hockey fights this, hockey fights that. And all of them, you know, they, they were all cool. You'd see the same clips, but every time you'd go in there, you'd just see people just shitting on these guys. Like, oh, he was a goon, he was a dummy, uh, fourth-line plug, whatever. And I kind of got tired of it. And I was one day I I was like, fuck all these groups. You know, I just left them. I got tired of seeing all the stupidity on there, which, of course, you know, social media, you're going to get it all. But I I told myself if I could figure out a way to kind of like be able to post videos, not necessarily YouTube links, but videos directly to Facebook uh, of all these hockey fights, I'll do it. And so I created a group at the time. It was called like Best Enforcers and Hockey Fights is what I think it was. Um, But basically, I started that group and more and more people joined. A lot of former players joined. You know, I, I'd kind of ask, you know, like, what, what are some ways you think you could I can improve the group or what's something you'd like to see? And a lot of people have said, like, um, you know, question and answer. So like Q&A with players. And I thought that'd yeah. be cool. But then at the same time, I was like, well, I don't want to just do Q&A like, hey, can you answer these questions and send them back to me? I was like, well, I, I'd rather do like an interview with them and actually get like in-depth stories so everybody can hear it rather than just reading it on the Internet. So, you know, I reached out to Darren because, of course, Darren was doing his thing. I was like, hey, would you, you know, would you mind if I started one? And, you know, we have kind of in a sense like the same interview style as far as kind of timelining. But, of course, Darren knows way more than I ever will. (laughs) Um, 
so you go super in depth with it and so i kind of scratched the surface and kind of asked like more so like the main questions and stuff like that and you know I always ask if anybody has any questions so uh that's how it kind of started was i didn't want to do like a cookie cutter q a online and just kind of actually get some interviews from the boys your interviewer is still in depth yourself and uh, i just recently listened to the sean mcmorrow episode that uh, that was on darren's podcast and uh, the thing that stuck with me was something that sean said actually was uh that the scoring was actually at its uh, peak in the late 80s to early 90s, uh, which, as we know, enforcement was still uh, a major role in the game. You were kind of telling me that you are you don't watch many games anymore, right? Yeah, I, I don't even go out of my way to watch it anymore. Just the physicality, I guess? Oh, just the, the way the game is, there's no respect anymore. And, you know, it's everybody can run around and do what they want. And of course, it's attributed to many factors, you know, like the instigator rule and the clutching and grabbing isn't allowed as much. But just the general respect thing, and everybody's like a pretty boy now, and I don't mean that disrespectful. Obviously, these players are top-tier athletes, and they're you know the best they've ever been with modern technology and training. But that that spark was missing, and I you know I noticed it more and more. I'd go to lightning games, and as the years go by, you know I'm just going there. I'm like, man, these games are just flat. Like it's it's cool. Don't get me wrong; these guys are wheeling and wheeling and dealing up the ice and flying and scoring. But yeah. like, man, you know, I don't even know if I heard the fucking boards rattle in the first period, you know, and it's just, that was hockey to me. I grew up watching minor hockey out in the quad cities. And so hockey to me was, it, it was goals and it was hits and fights. And that's what made hockey, you know, like hockey, I guess you could say is the best way to describe it. And now it's kind of gone. It's gone so far off to the other side to where it's more so like a game of shinny, I guess. No, exactly. A hundred percent. Like you've been doing your podcast a while now, but uh, what would you say has been the most rewarding? Honestly, uh, you know, I always, I don't do it for personal gain or whatever, you know, if the show gets big, cool. Um, but hearing some of the players talking, you could tell it's almost therapeutic to them. Um, you know, I just interviewed a guy and then we bullshitted afterwards and he's like, you know, this is like fucking therapeutic to me. Uh, you know, being able to talk about all this stuff and I haven't been able to talk about it for years or whatever. And, you know, some of these guys, I like to interview minor league guys, you know, their stories go unheard. So getting their stories out and being able to hear their side of everything and what it was like in the minors and grinding it out, uh, that's really rewarding. And then also when I interviewed like Peter Zerba, for those out there listening, he is the uh, second all-time penalty minute record holder for uh, the uh, Western Professional Hockey League. And, you know, his son actually reached out and was like, you know, I never heard these stories from my dad. Like, this is cool. And, you know, thanks. Thanks for doing that. And um, so, you know, kind of getting the guy's stories out is probably been the most rewarding and hearing how how much they like or like they enjoy, you know, telling their story and actually getting it out because not many people will give these guys the time of day. That's really cool, actually. Are you at the point where players are actually reaching out to you to come on the podcast? Um, yeah, yes and no. You know, it, it's I, I've had I've actually had some person reach out to me, and then um, uh, it was it was funny enough. He reached out to me at work, and I was kind of baffled because one day I got an e- like a work email, and uh, my role in the in the company that I work with, um, I, I'm not like higher up to where I, I receive emails from. Uh, like our customers or our clients so I was like I was kind of confused and I call him and you know he didn't answer and then he ends up calling me back he's like hey is this this Alec I was like yeah you know I'm with uh with so-and-so you know uh what what can I do for you today sir he's like oh are you the one with the podcast and I kind of started laughing because I was like uh yeah (laughs) um he's actually a huge fan of like southern hockey and he knows a lot of players he was in with them and so he'd give me players and players would actually reach out to me and every once in a while I'll get messages from players saying like, you know, Oh, great job on the podcast or, uh, you know, I'd love to come on. And actually the very first interview I had with, uh, Jason Renard, that was, he reached out to me when I said I was starting the podcast. He was like, you know, if you ever want any unfiltered stuff, let me know and I'll, I'll come on. And, you know, he was, I guess he gave me my big break as far as player interviews go. Cause of course, sometimes yeah. it's, um, 
trial and error message you almost feel like a used car salesman like oh hey i run a podcast would you love to come on you know copy and paste copy and paste over and over again to people but when guys actually reach yeah. out yeah it's awesome so yeah every once in a while yeah you do get guys that reach out and would love to come on you just uh, mentioned uh, jason renard um which i i wasn't aware when i did my interview with him that he had done an interview with you i kind of just when i started my podcast i just kind of added a bunch of people on facebook that you know had a hockey uh you know, had hockey interests or were friends with hockey players. Uh, he happened to be one of them, and uh, he happened to be one of uh, my favorite interviews. He's just uh, that guy's a ball of energy. Oh, he doesn't hold back anything, and he'll just tell it yeah. like it is. And he was awesome. And I had him. I've had him on the show twice. I had him on for the very first player interview, and then I had him on for the uh, the L and H special that I did. So uh, yeah, no, Renard's an absolute beauty. No, always a good dude to talk to. No, exactly. And uh, so I often hear you say on your own podcast that, uh, you know, the people didn't come here to listen to our small talk. Uh, you're a guy from Tampa. So uh, let's get into it. Uh, the, the reason that everybody's uh, tuning in is the top 10 enforcers in Tampa Bay history. So uh, I'm hoping to match five names uh, from your list. And uh, I'll be yelling like an old lady uh, when that ball gets uh, gets called out. So uh, if you're at home and uh you know, you're a hockey fighter fan. I suggest pausing the episode here, uh, doing your own list and uh, turning this back on. Uh, so uh, who would you have at number 10? So well, it's kind of funny. And I think I had mentioned it to you earlier uh, when we were, we were talking about doing the list. You know, the Lightning really haven't had too much history as far as like tough guys go. They have. But most of the time that when they'd get a tough guy, he'd stick around for maybe one or two seasons. So um, it was kind of, it was almost kind of hard to actually pick. And I've gone back and forth on the list. Um, and real quick before I get to t my 10, I, I got two honorable mentions and one of them is Mitch Fritz and Andy Bizu. And both those guys never actually played a regular season game with Tampa, but they were in uh, Springfield and Bizu played preseason games. Uh, you know, Bizu tough as nails, huge penalty minutes out in, um, what was it? Fort Wayne. Yeah. So those two guys never actually played, but they were in my honorable mentions and Fritz ended up later playing with the, uh, the Islanders and actually fought George LaRocque for his first career NHL fight. So yeah, I'm, I'm a, I'm a Habs fan. So I remember that fight very candidly. So absolutely. Um, but yeah, so number 10, I, I started off and you know, this, he wasn't, you know, an absolute killer. He wasn't, you know, um, you know, a force to be reckoned with too much, but a dude who just laid it, laid it all out. And he was there for the later years in Tampa and that's BJ Crombie. Um, and, you know, for those listening, they might know who B.J. Crombie is. He was kind of one of the last few, I guess, true enforcers. Um, he could still play the yeah. game a bit because, of course, he had, you know, he was there in the later years. But uh, I, I always remember Crombie would stick up for his teammates. And anytime any guys in Tampa would get, uh, you know, messed with, Crombie would step in. And he was kind of the last guy on the roster to really do that. So I had to put him in at number 10. I would have felt bad leaving him out since he was kind of the last guy to do it. And, um, you know, unfortunately, he's kind of known for that. That KO he had, uh, he got against Ronaldo uh, when Ronaldo yeah. KO'd him in Philly, but um, just a dude, solid team guy, and he just didn't give a shit. You know, he just uh, laid it all out there. So I, I felt bad if I would have left him off for uh, for Tampa. So I got him down at number ten. Appreciate that uh, you mentioned him because you kind of reminded me of him. And like obviously, uh, you know, you win some, you lose some with that Ronaldo punch. You know, but uh, who would you have at number nine? So number nine is another guy who, you know, he, this guy, he wasn't necessarily an enforcer, but when he'd throw down, um, he, he was a small guy and a lot of people don't like him, but it was Steve Downey and he played quite a few years there in Tampa. And I want to say he was actually the last, um, the last player to ever have 200 penalty minutes. And I could be wrong on that, but it was when he was with Pittsburgh. Um, but yeah. his time in Tampa, when he got there, he really flourished and he could play the game too. Uh, he, he was, yeah, yeah, he was really, really good and he'd put up the points. But one thing that always sticks out to me about Downey that I always, uh, remember this and I was at this game when it happened um 
Marty St. Louis was down in the corner and took a shot and I, he might have even scored on it. I can't quite remember. Um, but he took a shot and then the, there was a super late hit on him after the shot was off. And Downey came in and immediately just started throwing hands with whoever he could get a hold of. Because Downey, the way he was, he was calm. But as soon as you flipped his switch and those wires crossed, Downey was just you know, unpredictable. He'd just go off and do whatever. And he just immediately stuck up for Marty St. Louis in the corner and just started trying to pump the guy. And I remember the whole entire arena, you know, Downey skating off the ice. Because I, I want to say it was less than five minutes left in the game. So I want to say you got the gate because, of course, uh, you know, five minutes, not enough time to sit in the box. So... The whole arena is just in there, just downy, downy, downy. And it's like, you don't get that anymore. But he was kind of one of those, last, like I said, last guys to kind of bring energy to the team and everything like that. And was he necessarily an enforcer? No, but he, he would definitely throw down. And like I said, you know, last guy to have 200 penalty minutes, I believe. So, uh, you know, he was, he was busy and he, he kept himself busy in the PIM department. No, for sure. And he threw some big hits. Uh, I know that he's got uh, the suspensions there, obviously. But I mean, if you're going to play on that side of the of the game, you're gonna you're gonna unfortunately get a few suspensions along the way. Um, who would be your uh, number eight? So number eight, you know, this guy he had a very short stint. And I don't even think he may he maybe he only had like thirty games in the course of two seasons. But uh, it's Kyle Friedrich or Friedrich, excuse me. And um, okay. he the short stint he had there. I mean, yeah. he took on the absolute animals. He fought Vandenbush, Parker, Grimson, Laos, Domi, all those guys. And, you know, if you've ever seen it, look up, uh, you know, Kyle Friedrich versus Ryan Vandenbush, and it's right in front of the lightning bench. And both those, I mean, it's just a toe-to-toe war. And they're both yeah. just throwing and throwing. There's no defense at all. And if you actually look really close in the clip, Vandenbush punches Friedrich, and you could see one of his teeth <laughs> get, like, get punched out of his face and it flies into the bench past like Vinny LeCavalier. And Vinny LeCavalier looks back on the bench like, was that his fucking tooth? Um, so, and I, according to, as the story goes, both those guys ended up at the hospital later that night from that fight. Um, no so, like I said, you know, short stint there. And like I said, I don't even think he maybe played 30 games or somewhere along those lines. But uh, he took them all on and absolute warrior, toe-to-toe fighter. So, uh, had to throw him in there at number eight. No, that's awesome, man. And, uh, you know... Uh, actually, one of the guys that you just mentioned, I'll just give a little shout out to Cornwall, Ontario. Um, I know that you buy your jerseys from a guy from Cornwall, Ontario. Um, so uh, shout out to that guy too. Um, but uh, <laughs> yeah, Ryan Vandenbush played for the Cornwall Royals. And actually, uh, my buddy that's uh, sitting here with me, uh, he actually tried out for the Cornwall Royals as well. Um, so uh, Cornwall Royals uh, alumni, tough guy. Um, and uh, who, uh, who would you have as uh, your uh, number seven? So number seven, and you know he's one of my personal favorites. But I, uh, according to the list, I just I couldn't put him higher as much as I wanted to, even though he's one of my favorites because I got to watch him. But it's Zenon Kanapka, and um, he was he, that year he was there because he was well. Technically, he played I guess two seasons, but the first season he only played seven games, so I don't really count that. Um, yeah. So he was just kind of the only only guy out there, and he wasn't the biggest guy. And of course, he had that big reputation in Syracuse. He was the captain in Syracuse when he was down in the AHL, and that was when they had friggin Morasti, Sestito, and Kanopka, and they were just going on a tear through that league, um, terrorizing everybody. But when he got to Tampa, you know, he instantly became a fan favorite. And he, you always see him, he'll have like black eyes, you know, little bandaid over the nose, whatever the case may be. And he's always still throwing, throwing hands and just standing up for the teammate and trying to get energy. Cause that year that they were, or that year that he was on the team, it was uh, 2009 and they didn't really have, they were they weren't good that year at all. They were losing games and they were you know bottom of the barrel team at that point. Yeah. 
but Kanopka provided everybody with entertainment. And there were signs everywhere for Kanopka. You know, Kanopka is my fighter. That's one I always remember. There was a, the same girl, and it, you'd see it every time you'd fight because they'd paint over to that sign. It was the same girl. She'd always have that sign up, and you'd always see it on like the TV uh, broadcast and stuff like that. And you know, one of the games that always stands out to me was like they'd been on a losing streak, and they played Washington, and Washington was like rolling through the league at the time, if I remember right. Um, and he ended up fighting David Steckel in the corner. And I thought the roof was going to blow off because, I mean, he pumped Steckel. Steckel got him with a good left at first, and then he ends up just pumping him. And I remember being at that game, and the entire arena was just going crazy because the Lightning had won that game by a blowout, too. And then to get Kanopka in there to just say, fuck it, and go out and just beat him on the scoreboard and beat him on the ice uh, was awesome. So I, I got to give it up for Kanopka. And like I said, as much as I want to play some higher on the list uh, with the other guys that are on here, I just, I, I can't do it. I think. <laughs> no, for sure. And you know, like when you think about Boston, you know, when they had, uh, you know, uh, Chara, Lucic, uh, you know, Thornton, all those guys, right. I'm not saying that it, you become a tough guy in numbers, but you know, you got to give credit to a guy like that, you know, cause he's the, he's the one, the, the one guy standing up for the entire team. Absolutely. Yeah. Kanopka, he was actually the last guy to ever have a 300 penalty minute season. I think that was when he was, he was either with Minnesota or New York. Um, but yeah, last guy to ever have 300 penalty minutes and you will never, ever see that again in the NHL. No, for sure. That's why I respected Brandon Press so much, actually, because I, I know uh, uh, for a few years there, Press was uh, basically like a, a middleweight uh, playing the role of a heavyweight for Montreal. And then uh, afterwards, obviously, uh, uh, the Montreal uh, Canadians went and got uh, George Peros which uh, everybody knows what, what happened in that situation, which probably <laughs> set uh, hockey fighting back. One thing I was going to uh, tell you guys as well about uh, Kanopka, and uh, just this is just like a side note, I guess. Um, one of the guys that I had on my podcast uh, is uh, Jesse Winchester. He actually uh, played for the Florida Panthers. He's a Cornwall, Ontario boy. He ended up playing for the Senators as well. Um, but I had asked him, who's the toughest guys you played with? And he did mention Kanopka. You know, like everybody, when you think about the Ottawa Senators, you think about Chris Neal. But he was just saying, you have no idea how tough Kanopka is. So I think uh, that's a pretty good pick. And that was my B and my bingo. Um, so uh, who's your next guy at? Uh, I was getting scared there that I wouldn't have any of your guys. <laughs> well, yes, yeah, so like I said, it's, it's very hard to, you know, kind of do Tampa because it's just like uh, onesies and twosies you got to pick from. So it's really a toss up. I think until you get oh, like, yeah. until probably about the top three. Three, uh, is pre- everything is pretty much interchangeable. But the next guy I have on the list, and again, you know, a, a guy who just played mean as hell and would lay dirty, or not dirty, but uh, well, maybe dirty, depending on how you want to look at it. Um, but lay the checks down was uh, Darcy Tucker, and you know he. He was he, he really kind of flourished with I think uh, with Toronto when he got there. And that's where he kind of made his big name. But when he still played with Tampa, you can see some clips. Is uh, you know he's he actually had a really good fight with Pekka. Uh, when he was with Tampa, and I mean, it's toe to toe for Michael Pecka to go throwing down like that. Uh, awesome fight, but he would he, uh, again. He was he would put up the points, and he'd also sit there and throw down when he had to. And there's actually a really cool video out there. And you know, uh, you know, I'm a sweater guy, so he's in like that really ugly lightning alternate, uh, the storm Jersey, but he just starts shit at center ice against the penguins. And I think it might've been against, uh, I think, <laughs> I think he tried to get after Casparitis at the time. And, um, you know, stuff like that. He just, he wasn't, like I said, an enforcer, but at the same time, he had those three years in Tampa where he was kind of making a name for himself. And uh, so I had to throw him in there at number, uh, what is it? Number six. Number six. Yeah. Yeah, no. And uh, I'm a big Tucker fan myself. Um, I actually like the uh, big fan of the guys that were instigators, to be honest with you. 
Um, I played hockey myself, and I would have never been an enforcer uh, in no uh, shape or form. Um, but uh, those guys, you know, like it's the characters like that that are missing in the in today's game. You know, uh, uh, now it's you know skill, speed, uh, you know, but uh, you don't you, the, the crowd doesn't cheer as much as they used to. I, that, that's my opinion. Oh, absolutely, and it's just, you just you're missing guys like that, and you you have Marshand, which Marshand is a hell of a player, but some of the stuff he does, I think he should just absolutely get tuned up for, like licking Ryan Callahan in the face. And I remember I had Jeremy Yablonski on, and just had some very very colorful language to say about Marshand. So, but you're definitely missing those villains, and like you have like the Tom Wilson and the Ryan Reeves, but it's just not the same when you had guys like that or like in a, like a Barnaby. Like I'm a huge Barnaby fan. As much as I wanted to throw him on the Tampa list, I didn't just because he he didn't play long enough there. But yeah, Barnaby yeah, was another, yeah another one of those guys who just get under your skin and. But he would back it up too. Barnaby would take his lumps and roll with the punches. But you know, guys, guys who would agitate and then throw down—it's kind of missing from the game. They'll just agitate, oh, run sure. their mouth, and it's just gone. Yeah, and he took the, took on the biggest, baddest dudes at Barnaby. Uh, you know, Chara a few times and everything else. Um, so, uh, who, who who do you got at number five now, my friend? So number five, I have uh, I have Brant Myers down, and Brant Myers. You know, he had some great fights for Tampa. And he, he was he was there for a little bit, and he also fought. You know, he fought plenty of guys. Uh, he had a really good one against Dan Cordic. He actually um, buckled Dan yeah. Cordic, and they have another one. I think Cordic actually got the revenge on him. But um, you know, and he fought you know, Gordy Dwyer, Kelly Chase. You know, guys like that. And um, you know, he he didn't stick around in Tampa too too long, but he definitely threw down. And um, you know, absolute tough dude. And every, everybody listening, if you want to go check out that Dan Cordic fight, it's up on YouTube. And I, I think it's a lefty throws, and he just absolutely buckles him, folds Cordic like a lawn chair. Yeah, no, he just and and he looked like he just loved it too. You know what I mean? Like uh, always the big celebration at the end and everything else. And I know he took on guys like Cantel, uh, Marty McSorley. So uh, maybe a lot of guys don't remember him because it's it's been a little while. But I mean. Uh, you know, uh, 17 fights with the Lightning, so uh, not a guy to mess around with. You're number four, so we're, we're getting close to the end there. So number four, and it's funny, I swapped these two because I had it, I had it backwards when I did this list. And then right before, of course, talking again, I, I could have swapped this list out every other time. And I swapped it right before we even got going here. But I put uh, put Sandy McCarthy in at number, number four. Uh, Good job, yeah. And so, you know, he played two seasons with Tampa, but he was still kind of, he, he wasn't quite where he was with Calgary. But he was still a force to be reckoned with. And I remember, it, 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 unfortunately, it wasn't as big of a fight as it was hyped up to be. But he fought Tony Twist and he was with Tampa. And that's a big, uh, it's like a famous picture out there. You got McCarthy and Twist squaring off. Um, unfortunately, the fight didn't, you know, didn't pan out to what everybody was hoping to be. But, yeah. you know, he still took on guys like that. And it's kind of funny because this is probably the toughest season that the Lightning had as far as players go. And at the same time, they had Jason Weimer. Darcy Tucker, they had Sandy McCarthy, Louis DeBrus, Jamie Huscroft, Andre Nazaroff, and Mick Vukoda, and in, even Enrico Ciccone at that same time. So, wow. you know, that, that that time was probably the toughest Tampa has ever been, honestly. Um, yeah. But, yeah, Sandy McCarthy, you know, like I said, he wasn't quite the force that he was in Calgary, but he also wasn't that shadow of himself that he was in New York. Um, so I think, you know, having that kind of super heavyweight almost in McCarthy was big for Tampa. No, for sure, and I'm sure uh, Kanopka could have used some of those guys that you just mentioned. We're getting to uh, the big guys. Exactly. So number three, and uh, you know these two were interchangeable, but I had to go with Rudy Poshek over here at number three. And yep. you know R- Rudy was kind of like the f- him and Shikoni 
were kind of the first enforcers Tampa ever saw because they were there in that 93 season. Um, yeah. So, you know, P- Poshek, and unfortunately, the thing about Rudy is he's a bleeder, but he was wide open, but he just, you know, he'd always get, like, he'd cut him in a pillow fight almost, it seemed, but he was always yeah. wide open, and he had that awesome fight with Barubi, and you got the Caps announcers calling it, and, you know, just it's, I think it's in one of my intros, actually. Um, but Rudy was just a very wide open fighter for Tampa, and like I said, him playing that, that, that you know, first enforcer-ish kind of role along with Shikoni was big, and... I always like to, with these lists, I kind of try to do, you know, how long they played with the team and um, guys they fought while they were there. But, yeah, Poshek, he was just so fucking tough, man. And he fought. He actually fared really well against Probert when he was at Tampa. Um, Probert gets the sweater off, of course, and uh, in the, you know, the fashion that it was back then. And, but even with the sweater off, Poshek still fares pretty well against Probert. And uh, Poshek is probably probably a bit underrated, in my opinion, but um, – no, he was very toe to toe, like I said, and just didn't give a shit. Like I said, the only problem is that he was a bleeder, and that is a you know vi- visual is very big in hockey fight, like we saw with Probert and Domi. Even though uh, you know Probert got cut, I still don't think he lost that round one with Domi. But um, you know, it's just it is what it is. But yeah, I had to go with Poshik for number three. No, for sure, and uh, you know, like uh, right now, by the way, I got my bing, so I'm almost at my bingo, and like uh, like. I have one thing about Pocek is is that uh, you know um, he fought one guy that I think a lot of the guys that you mentioned already uh, fought as well as Paul Loss um, for for the Panthers. So uh, I was going to ask you like, is there a big rivalry between the Panthers and the Tampa Bay Lightning? Uh, there definitely was. I don't know about <laughs> I don't know about anymore. I don't know if there's any rivalries in the okay. NHL really. Um, but back in the day, there was, and there's a, a YouTube clip you can go look up, and it is like a pre. It's a pregame. It's just a a pregame, uh, or excuse me, pregame preseason game with Tampa and Florida, and it is just an all out melee. It was when Tampa had, I think, a Cloutier and Net, and he's just going crazy, of course, because uh, Cloutier, you know, when his wires crossed, he was ready to take on the whole fucking bench yeah, as we saw. Yeah. yeah, so there, there there was definitely a rivalry, and I remember going to Panther and um lightning games and they were awesome to go to so the rivalry was definitely there back in the day but in today's standards no not so much yeah and talk about a tough guy paul loss he's pound for pound man that's a guy that doesn't get mentioned very often we're already down to the big number two so who do you have at number two so number two i got enrico Shaconi, and again he goes yeah. kind of hand in hand just being the one of the first enforcers with tampa and he had a stint with tampa for a few years he left and then came back with tampa i think for a, either a year or two um but the thing about Shikoni was, was he the greatest fighter? Not necessarily, but in terms of enforcing, he just didn't give a shit. And Shikoni was fucking scary. And I've heard plenty of stories yeah. about him just sticking guys in, in training camp and shit like that. But, uh, you know, Shikoni's one of those dudes where if his wires cross, look out. Because he'll he'll hit you when you're down. That code shit goes right out of the window. You know, and Shikoni was just fucking mean. Um, which is kind of funny yeah. that he's in, po- he's in politics now up there in Montreal. Um, but yeah, Shikoni was kind of like the first big, tough enforcer, I think, for Tampa. You know, of course, Poshek was there, but in terms of actually enforcing, Shikoni was top notch and one of the scariest dudes to play against. Yeah, and again, uh, you know, like going back to, uh, I guess, uh, what I call the godfather, uh, Darren from the fourth line. I, I forget which episode that I was listening to his, and he was just saying that there's a difference between a 
you know, a good hockey fighter and, and enforcer. He was just ready to take on anybody, uh, which is uh, the absolute role of an enforcer. So now we get down to uh, number one. Uh, I've already got my bingo. I didn't yell it out too loud because I didn't want to wake up my daughter. I'm going to try to guess, all right? Oh, go ahead. If you don't know yeah. it, if you, don't, you should know it. I know who your favorite is because I've listened to your episodes before. But yeah. I'm just trying to think, would you go with your favorite or would you go with someone else? Andre Roy. Oh, you know it's Andre Waugh. It's got to be. <laughs> All right, there you go. Well, you know, for the sole purpose, well, not only that, he, he won a cup in 04 with them, and it was oh, huge. Yeah. Um, but as far as longevity goes, I want to say he actually, as as an enforcer, he played the most seasons for Tampa. Um, and, of course, I had him on the podcast, and, you know, for those listening, you can go back and listen to that episode with Andre Waugh. Absolute clown of a dude. He's friggin' Great hilarious. episode. Great episode, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, and, I, well, he, he runs a show up there in Montreal as well, too. He's uh, his own little uh, – I think it's on TSN, right? Yeah, he's got an awesome show. Like, I haven't watched the whole thing. I don't I don't remember if I – like, I speak French, right? But I don't re- recall if it's in French or if it's in English. But I know he goes uh, from town to town and tries to switch up the interview uh, protocol a little bit in where he makes the, you know, the interviewee feel comfortable. So he brings them to, uh, you know, like a fun place and tries to take him out of his comfort zone. So, but I don't remember if it's in French or English, regardless, anyways, but keep going. <laughs> yeah. So Andre Wallman, he was just there for so many years and uh, he was kind of solo. He had Chris Dingman there for a little bit, but then it, it pretty much became the Andre Wall show um, out in Tampa. And another dude, he, he, he took them all on. And we, we talked about, he fought like, you know, George LaRock and Domi and guys like that. And, the, the whole city loved him and they embraced Wah. And, you know, he'd be on the bench sometimes. And I remember, and I, you know, I, I told, I've probably told this story a million times, but the very first game he came back from Tampa or to Tampa when he was with Pittsburgh, they picked him up off of waivers, I believe. Um, he had, he'd been scratched a couple games and then Buffalo had dressed Andrew Peters. So the whole entire arena was just chanting, We want Wah. We want Wah. And he steps over the bench. Whole place is going crazy. He's playing a shift, and then eventually he goes with Peters, and he ends up getting the W in the fight. And you know the whole place just erupts. And Wall really loved playing for Tampa, and he really enjoyed, I, I, he enjoyed playing for Tampa. I don't know how much he enjoyed playing for Tortorella, <laughs> you know. Um, yeah. But I, I had, it had to be Andre Wall because, like I said, the longevity he had there and the impact he had, and even he he fought was it Chris Simon? I think it was. I think it was Chris Simon in the uh, in the Stanley Cup Finals. Um, okay. I think in Calgary. So just another dude. And when he, when he'd get mad and his wires crossed as well, another dude, he got, he'd get so pissed and, you yeah. know, he ended up, you know, getting TKO'd by Riley Cote out there in Philly. Um, and I think, I think they fought again. Cause I, I think they fought yeah. twice that game when he beat him the first time. Right. When you said that his wires crossed, uh, that's the picture that I have in my mind. Andre Roy is raw weather is absolutely out of his mind. I mean, he wanted to go after Cote so bad at the beginning of the third period. He was sitting right here beside me and he was just shaking. He was so mad looking at Riley Cote, R- Riley Cote. And what he does over here, he's coming over. He wants to take on the whole bench. And, oh uh, yeah. Torts has to yeah. sit him down. Cause he's just challenging everybody. He's pissed. Yeah. But no. yeah, I had to had to do Andre Wan. You know, he's my personal favorite because I grew up watching him. But even in terms of longevity and enforcing for Tampa, I, I think it's got to be Andre Wan. Yeah, no, for sure. He good a good singer too. Oh yeah, he's got some pipes on him. He even sings on the podcast at like the very beginning, I think. Um, and it's funny because they actually had a, a section, not a section. It was like a segment on Sun Sports, which has the broadcasting down here, and he would do interviews 
like in the locker room with guys and it was called rapping with wah and it was one of the funniest things that we almost looked forward to that more than the game sometimes because it was just so freaking comical yeah. seeing andre wah interview these guys and everything and actually i was fortunate enough chris nyland actually hooked me up with uh with andre wah andre wah happened to be in orlando at the time right like the day i got back from montreal it was the next day I went out and drove out to uh, Orlando because it's probably about an hour and a half drive. But Andre Wall was out there. Ended up having beers with him for like four hours in a bar. I brought my buddy along and just telling stories and hearing him talk and everything like that. And it was awesome. Stand up guy. And, I, you know, I don't have enough good things to say about Wall. And he was fortunate enough to come on my podcast and give me the time of day. But what an experience that was. And he's such an animated person. And he, you could tell he just he genuinely loved to fight. He didn't like the build up to the fights. And I think he goes into that um, in the interview. But he didn't like the build up. But when it, when it came time to fight, he actually loved it. So it was it was really cool hearing him tell stories like that. My next part of the interview, if you will, is uh, the interrogation. But uh, before that, um, obviously, you're talking about the Andre Waugh episode. Uh, like I said in the introduction, you've had Rob Ray. Um, maybe if you can just plug in your socials. I mean, like... Uh, you know, so so they can go back and listen to that episode because it was a great episode. Oh, absolutely. So, well, if you just type in Five for Fighting on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, you'll see it. And it's like the uh, the the podcast art is just a bunch of different fights going on. It says Five for Fighting on it. Um, and, of course, if you want to follow me on Twitter, it's at the number it's at the number five and then four fighting pod. Uh, Instagram is just spelled out Five for Fighting pod. Uh, if you want to follow the Facebook page, uh, it's a page on Facebook. Give it a like or follow it, and you, all the updates come from there as well. And it's just Five for Fighting Podcast on Facebook. Um, and that group I mentioned earlier, if you want to, uh, you know, follow that group, is just I, I changed the name to it now, and it's kind of dwindled out some of the idiots, I think, which has been good. Um, it's called Enforcer Appreciation, and basically we post videos from all the different leagues: LNH, WPHL, UHL, NHL, you name it. Um, it's on there. There's a lot of former players and player fan interaction that goes on there, and it's awesome to see. So, um, yeah, you go check that out. But that's where you can find all the updates so as far as all my social media goes. Right on. Uh, so, yeah, we'll move right along, and I uh, hope you're ready to get grilled. So uh, are we uh, we ready for the interrogation? Oh, I got a, I got a fat chaw on, and I'm ready to go, bud. <laughs> right on. Uh, the band Pfeiffer Fighting released that Superman tune in early 2000. I'm more than a bird. I'm more than a plane I'm more than some pretty face Beside a train And it's not easy To be me That damn song that you couldn't get out of your head You know, I was in grade 9 Praying for puberty to come along So how old were you in 2000? And uh, when did you first hear that uh, There was a band with the same name as your podcast? Uh, how old was I in 2000? I would have been four years old at the time. Um, <laughs> so yeah. And as far as a band goes, I actually, actually had zero clue about that song or the band or the guy that's in the band, whatever the case may be. Um, yeah. there's zero clue about that until I actually look, cause I was trying to figure out names for the podcast. Um, and yeah. I looked it up just to see if it was taken. And I was like, oh, there's a fucking artist at the name of Five. I, like, I had no clue who the hell that is. Never heard their music or anything. But yeah, probably it was. So it would have been last year, the time I discovered that there was a band called Five for Fighting. Oh, okay. I don't know if a lot of people annoyed you with that because uh, it was a pretty catchy tune in back of my day. And uh, obviously, uh, you know, I've got the gift of making my guests uncomfortable and uh, asking them the same old questions that they've heard a million times. But uh, who is your second favorite hockey enforcer? Second favorite hockey enforcer is definitely John Mar Nasty Morasty. And it's John Morasty and Jeremy Yablonski. Morasty wearing a microphone. So we're going to bring this one right into your living room. These two are some tough combatants. 
They're going to throw it and fire it and fire it like pistons. Look at them. Bam, bam, bam. Boy, are they throwing punches. And this is a normal go-around between these two guys. Good friends, but not when they're in between the blue lines here. I'll tell you, it, these two have gone at it every time they played this year, and it starts right off the get-go. Boy, you want to talk about throwing heavy punches. They're asked the 174 penalty minutes this year, and when you look at Jablonski, he had 160. So they went at it, and puts the hands up. Fans loving every minute of it. Pound for pound, one of the toughest dudes. It's actually, it's a, as a recording, it's his birthday today, and I've been posting nothing but Morasti fights all day. Um, nice. And actually, well, hey, speaking of sweaters, I just picked up one of his Syracuse uh, game-worn sweaters today, so that was one of the ones I wanted to add to the collection. I have that one and uh, one of his Sorrell Tracy L&H ones. But, you know, one of the most entertaining fighters of all time, if not the most entertaining sure. fighter of all time, toe-to-toe, pound-for-pound, didn't matter. He didn't give a shit. He'd hit you in the face. People are laughing. He's laughing, smiling, doing whatever. And there's that infamous clip of him in the cage uh, where the guy's just trying to hit him. And Rasty's sitting there smiling, smiling, laughing. And then he just throws two right bombs, takes the dude down. No questions asked, you know. So definitely got to be Morasti. He's my second favorite of all time. I know the clip, and I think that we were separated at, at birth because uh, definitely a big Morasti fan. Actually, I'll ask you the same question, but who was your second favorite hockey enforcer in the NHL? I know Morasti played a few games there, uh, but I mean, uh, in the NHL. In the NHL, well, of course, you know my first my first favorite is Chris Nyman, but in the NHL, I gotta yeah. say, I gotta say Tony Twist and. There's a couple things that play into that with Tony Twist. I, I love his fighting style, and I know Darren has mentioned it before. And if, if you go back and you look at Tony Twist Jr. fights and look at it, the very last fight he ever had in his career, it is the exact same style. And he almost has that, I don't like his stance is it's kind of like the old, I don't know, like a 1930s guy with his pants hiked up and his fist yeah. kind of fist out. That's what it reminds me of. But he had the same style, and he would just sit there and just cock that right hand back from like a mile away and just try to he wouldn't try to punch it guys he tried to punch through them i mean he'd break helmets you know what well, we spoke with rob ray and what the injury he sustained was and it pretty much caved in his face um yeah and so that, 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 one's, hard, that one's hard to watch because ray was such a tough guy oh for sure um yeah. but you know and the, another thing that plays into the factor of why i like twist so much is his his like uh mentality to the role of enforcer and uh, I think Darren has to actually the what well, fuck Jesus Christ Darren my check will be in the mail with how many times I've mentioned you in this damn podcast. Um, so hey, hey, drink every time you hear Darren. Yeah, exactly. No kidding. But he's got the it's because he's always got all the damn videos. He's got them all up. So, uh, but it's an outtake of the last Gladiators, and actually that's well Chris Allen's documentary. You can go watch it, and there's a good Tony Twist segment in there as well. But the outtakes and his mentality of you know pregame. You know, he knows what he's there for. He's not there to score goals. He's not there to play patty cake. So pregame, he'd go get a sweat going, you know, get just absolutely jacked, do some push-ups, and go yeah. sit on the other team's bench and watch them while they're practicing. Just basically the way he describes it is he's pissing on your lawn. And I love that mentality. And he's just there to intimidate. And he didn't care about that fight that night. He's like, I'm already thinking about the next fight. He's like, I'm not worried about tonight. I'm worried about the next fight, you know, down the road. But tonight, I'm going to punch through your head, basically. And that mentality is just... You got to have a screw loose to do it, but I love that. I love that factor, and that's just something you don't see today. No, for sure, and you know, like I completely agree with you. And uh, like the fact that you just mentioned that Tony Twist story, uh, where he said, "You know, I'm pissing on your line." I don't know if it's just uh, the brain injuries or what, but like I find the movie The Last Gladiators and uh, Ice Guardians a little bit interchangeable sometimes. Like where, like I don't know which movie 
you know, the, the quote was from. I don't know. Do you, do you ever have that issue? No, the only reason I don't have that issue is because I watched Last Gladiators for like a month and a half straight. So I pretty much have that whole movie engraved in my head. But I know what you're saying is a lot of the times people will, you know, say that on um on like social media or whatever, like, oh, this is from the Last Gladiators or this is from Ice Guardians, but they're interchangeable because it's kind of the the same the same concept of everything, you know, the role sure, of the and, and like, I, I, find, I find both movies are great, but I just find sometimes like you know, there's all this credit given to the Ice Guardians movie. Uh, the Last Gladiators, I would say, is kind of like the first one, right? Oh yeah, it was the precursor to Ice Guardians, and it covers more of the old school guys. So you know, it, yeah. and, you know, Ice Guardians had a couple of new new school and old school, but uh, Last Gladiators was all old school. It had Toddy and Donna Brashear, Bob Probert, Marty McSorley, Tony oh, Twist, sure. Chris Nyland. Had all the old yeah. school guys. So to get their take on everything is awesome. And then with Ice Guardians, it's kind of like the newer school guys or like that that like I don't know ninety five on kind of uh, yeah. era of tough guys. No, for sure, and I'm just trying to shed some light on that, you know, on the movie that you're, you know, that you uh, really liked, you know, the, the Last Gladiators, because, uh, like, for me, too, like, uh, that that's one that, you know, like, I fell in love with right away, and when the Ice Guardians movie came out, I, I loved that one as well, uh, but it just, I don't find it gets uh, mentioned enough. Oh, absolutely, and both of them, of course, are so well done, and, um, yeah, you know, it's it really, it's cool that they shed a, a light on the Enforcer role, because, of course, um it just doesn't get talked about enough. And, you know, in today's hockey, it's almost like that, like the, it's like a, the dark times or that's a bad time in hockey. Like we don't talk about that. Like the way I always describe it, it's like, you know, it's like a, it's on a book. The enforcer role is on a bookshelf and people just want to leave it there and let it collect dust and don't want to sit back and appreciate it. Yeah, take it off the bookshelf every once in a while, open it up and, you know, appreciate these guys. You know, I'm not saying you have to be like, like myself or like that's what I watch all the time. Um, but, you know, appreciate a little bit and, you know, take the book off the shelf every once in a while and remember what how good it was. Yeah. And I know that you have been to Montreal. So, like, have you tried to put sin and uh, is it overrated in your opinion? I did. Well, it was funny because the first Putin I had was like uh, was from McDonald's. So I don't think that's really uh, <laughs> really like the authentic poutine. But um, yeah. no, I had one from an actual restaurant and man, it was it was good. And actually, it's funny. They actually sell poutine out in the Tampa Bay Lightning Arena. Um, not, the same, not the same, of course, but yeah, it was actually really good. And, you know, I'm a, a fucking beer drinking fat guy. So that was right up my alley with gravy, cheese, curd, <laughs> French fries. Right on. And uh, what's your favorite song, uh, obviously, after uh, Man of Steel from Fight for Fighting? Favorite song? I don't know. That's a lot, man. I'm a big metal guy, and I'm also a big country fan. So uh, it's polar opposites, I know. But, you know, as you know, my family was raised up north in the country. And then my dad, his side was down south in Florida. So I love country music, but I also love metal music. Eh, it depends the way the wind's blowing. I don't know if I could actually pick a favorite song, per se. I guess country songs will go Small Town Southern Man by Alan Jackson. You can... Break the back, but you can't break the spirit of a small town southern man. And he bowed his head to Jesus, and he stood for Uncle Sam, and he only loved one woman. He's always proud of what he had. He said his greatest contribution is the ones he leave behind. A small town southern man and metal wise um uh maybe I, again interchangeable like list is whichever way the wind's blowing i'll probably change it you know in four fucking minutes but um i'll say i'll say wherever i may roam by metallica that's always a good one 
that's a good one. So what's your favorite hockey song? Oh, my favorite hockey song. Um, <laughs> probably Hockey Monkey by the Zambonis. If you've ever listened to that one, it's such a goofy ass song. I, I absolutely love that song. I've used it for my intro many times. Oh, you know what? You have actually, because whatever one of your episodes, I remember I I turned it on and I started laughing my ass off in the truck because that was the song yeah. in your intro. Um, yeah, no, yeah, that song's so goofy. Yeah, I know. I used to listen to uh, 99.9 The Buzz, which is like an alternative uh, rock station. Big fan of that song and anything alternative. So. Uh, if you could have a beer with any celebrity, dead or alive, who would it be and why? Honestly, well, I'm, I'm always focused on hockey. I don't give a shit about pop culture celebrities. I'll say fucking Link Gates. I'd love to have a beer with Link Gates and just sit down and hear some stories. And I think I've talked about this with um, with old John Kahn from the Hockey Fight League. And we talk about it and we, you know, bullshit with Link Gates. And I feel like you don't get the full Link Gates experience unless, you know, his wires cross and he just... Yeah. For whatever reason, his you know left hooks you at the bar, hits a bottle over your head, and I feel like I'd be a little bit dissatisfied if that didn't happen because I think that's the full Link Gates experience with everything you hear about him. Yeah, God bless you because I don't know where your your night's gonna end up. Oh yeah, exactly. It's just fucking getting in one with Link. I could only imagine the shenanigans that are going to ensue for that shit. I, yeah, I know for sure. And uh, we're we're getting to the end there, but uh, I'll grill you a little bit more. So uh, you you get to pick one meal to eat for the rest of your life. What what would it be? Uh, one meal to eat for the rest of my life. Oh shit! I want to say pizza, but damn, sometimes I just I fall asleep after eating pizza, man. All those damn carbs. Um, I'd say I'd say like a good steak, man. Probably steak, like nothing better than a solid cooked fucking medium rare steak. I'll I'll, I'll say that one. That'll probably be the, the meal I could have as long as it's cooked right and it's all it's medium rare every time and it's not like well done. So it's you know as hard as a damn hockey puck. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll do. I'll say steak. That's all right. You've been to Montreal to see a game. I know uh, you're not a fan of the new of the new game, but uh, which rink in the NHL would you like to go see a game at? So you know, Montreal was definitely bucket list for me, and the fact that I got to cross that off so early was just awesome. And I don't know if anything will ever compare to that, but. I'd I'd have to say maybe maybe catch a game in MSG, you know the most famous you know arena in the world, I guess you could say yeah. uh, as they as they say. Um, but yeah, I think it'd be cool to go catch a game out there and w- watching the Rangers play. I guess um, yeah. you know just get to experience MSG because, like I said, it's you know a renowned arena. So uh, yeah, just to say I did it, I'd say my uh, MSG. No, I really like that answer. Um, actually, you know when I was writing that question, I was thinking the same thing, and uh, that's definitely the one I would go for. So, um, actually, uh, this is my final question out of the interrogation uh, before I let you go. So, uh, what do you uh, have lined up on the podcast, and what can we uh, look forward to for uh, your upcoming shows? So, right now, actually, after we get done here, I'm actually going to edit it and chop it up and release it, I think, uh, tomorrow morning. But uh, I got Pete Vandermeer coming out. and uh, You know, I know he's, he's made his rounds on Spit and Chicklets and Terry Ryan's show. Um but I think, you know, I got the most in-depth Pete Vanderbilt interview out there, you know, going in-depth and talking about all the not all the guys you fought because, I mean, fuck, you'd be there for 14 hours. But yeah. uh, I got Pete Vandermeer coming out. I just interviewed Paxton Schulte with uh, – he he played a couple games in the NHL and uh, played overseas. And hearing some of the stories that he has is awesome when he actually opens up. It, for those listening, it's you can look up Nottingham Panthers and Belfast Giants brawl. And Barry Nykar actually cheap shots him pretty hard. He gives them seven to the back of the head and actually gave uh, Paxton Schulte an aneurysm, um, unfortunately. But he, uh, he opens up about that publicly for the first time in that incident, and that's kind of the one guy he just uh, absolutely can't fucking stand. And so uh, that's coming out. And I got another one. I just did Jason Rushton, who uh, – well, you probably know who Jason Rushton is from the LNH, but he also competed in that black and blue uh, Battle of the Hockey Enforces yeah. competition. 
Yeah, and so speaking of Link Gates, he actually tells a really funny Link Gates story, and apparently, I guess Link, uh, uh, he, I, I, I can't remember the exact like uh, what led up to it, but Link was pissed at him. Uh, I think it actually might have been over weed. Now that I think about it, um, <laughs> so I guess Link was pissed about you know not getting some weed from Russian or something. So he, uh, Link takes his car, backs up, and then just starts hitting Jason Rushton's car while Rushton is like in his house. So he's hearing this loud commotion. I guess Link is sitting there t boning his car in the fucking driveway. <laughs> And you still want to have a beer with this guy? Oh yeah, yeah, I'll fucking do it. Like I said, it's it's the full Link Gates experience. It's like you know, it turned it into an event. Um, <laughs> but I got a couple others lined up. Uh, I haven't actually recorded them yet, so um, I got a couple other guys lined up from the uh, the old Southern Pro League. But um, I typically don't like to announce my guest unless I actually have a like you know an actual interview done with them. That way, I'd, no, you know, no, I hear you. Like that's, that. that's the whole issue, right? Oh yeah, sometimes the uh, fucking retired hockey players, you just you know they're. I think it'd be easier to get a hold of Trump sometimes. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. But no, no, that sounds exciting, man. And uh, yeah, I'm a big fan. So uh, hopefully uh, you keep on tracking. And thanks a lot for joining us tonight. Absolutely, man. Anytime you want to fucking sit here and bullshit about hockey, uh, yeah, I'm down. Like I said, any any anytime I get an excuse to sit here and talk hockey, I'm down for it. So uh, thanks for having me on, man. I really appreciate it. And keep up the good work that you're doing. Great right on, man. Talk to you soon.